This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome back to another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond so derek how was your week it was good um wrapped up another um another blue wahoo's homestand um one of our listeners uh brandon rutledge was actually at one of the games i think on thursday Um, didn't get the chance to talk with him but he did message me you know just letting me know that he was there and we chatted over facebook messenger for a bit so it was nice to to have him out there and then um yesterday you know we're recording this on sunday night i took a almost a little impromptu trip up to atlanta to uh, watch the musical Hamilton, which oh, yeah. was quite good, and uh, went to the Georgia Aquarium, walked around downtown a bit. Uh, so it was a nice, fun day away from here. So That's fantastic, fun, man! Fun stuff. What about fun. you? Um, well, it's, I mean, it's been a pretty, pretty restful weekend. I had a, a couple of friend, different friends that came into town from uh, different states. My buddy Dave who I pretty much grew up with and uh, was in one of my very first bands with. Uh, he is an illustrator up in uh, Minneapolis. So he came down for the weekend and uh, went and ate Indian food with him last night. It was my first time having Indian food, and I quite liked it a lot. I am addicted to naan now, which is kind of like a, a pita bread sort of thing, like unleavened bread. Uh, that you dip in all the the gravies and different spices and all that. And I'm like, I'm I'm a bread guy, so uh, that that's that that's my soft spot is bread. <laughs> <laughs> so we now, found I've a never, new place. Never had Indian food. It's good, man. We found this uh, this Indian place over in Gulfport, which is about I'd say about 20 minutes away from us. So it's close enough that we're like, hey, let, let's we found us a new place to go eat. Uh, and then nice. earlier today, um, uh, my co-host on the Nerd Cave Retro, Steffi Lou Who, came into town, her and her fiancé, and we, we met up and had lunch today. And then I came home and promptly passed out for about two and a half hours in a uh, Mexican food coma. And uh, I just woke up. That's a the best while kind ago. of coma. <laughs> I love Sundays because you can just fall asleep and it's okay. Uh, that's what Sundays are for. Yes, they are. That and the Nerd Cave Retro Show. Absolutely. It's weird. It feels like we haven't been here in forever. We didn't record last Sunday, did we? We recorded. Uh, we did not, no. That's why. I'm like, man, it feels like forever since we've been here, but I know we had a show last week. We were, we pre-recorded, so that's what it was. It's weird. Which, I mean, I guess we can announce it, you know, closer to the end of the month, but July is going to be... A little bit crazy, but the good thing is the rest of June will be fine. Yeah. So I I do I do have a game next Sunday, but it's at one, so I'll be back in plenty of time to do the show at normal time. That's cool. Um, well, so. E3 has been going on this weekend, and uh, we didn't really 
cover anything for it. Uh, there's been enough coverage online of E3, so I'm like, yeah, we'll just retweet some stuff and, and read read yeah. what's going on. But I did uh, put this in our news uh, a news story that just broke a little while ago, and I'm going to go ahead and play this. Coming to us from Engadget, this story just broke like maybe two, three hours ago. Uh, a new Battletoads game is coming to Xbox One in 2019. It's finally happening. A new Battletoads game is on the way. Microsoft and Rare have announced a new title, so far just called Battletoads, reaching the Xbox One in 2019. They didn't show any gameplay, but it'll include three-player couch co-op, which I'm down with that, even though I don't have an Xbox One, but I would actually probably get an Xbox One just to play Battletoads. Uh, it will take advantage of the 4K on the Xbox One X, uh, then, and the teaser clip made a not-so-subtle nod to the original NES title's notoriously difficult vehicle segment, so don't be surprised if the new game provides a significant challenge. What do you think about a new Battletoads game coming out? It's funny because I saw an article the other day about how they're like it was like franchises that need to be brought back yeah. in the video game world, and Battletoads was near the top of that list, so yeah. I think the timing's perfect. Uh, I was actually looking up info because I've never played any of the Battletoads games, really? but I was looking up. I know. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like this is a series that would be right up my alley. I think Battletoads might have been one of the last games that I bought for the Nintendo right before the Super Nintendo dropped. And mm -hmm. I remember getting the uh, the Nintendo Power special episode or special um, editions, the Battletoads editions. I think it was like two or maybe it was just the one that came out, uh, Nintendo Power, that was all about Battletoads. And, man, that game was freaking hard. Like, it's by what far heard. the hardest NES game you will ever play. And I, I'll stand behind that statement. Yeah, I do really want to play it, though. It was one that, because I know there's a Super Nintendo game. I think it might be a combination of, like, Battletoads and Double Dragon yeah. I want to say. Yeah, there was. So I, was, I, uh, that's the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, they had it because I, I went by a retro gaming store here in town earlier today and uh, they had it, but I, I didn't pull the trigger on it, but I, I might go back and get it and uh, review it for a future episode. Cool. But I do really want to play a Battletoads game, but as far as this goes, it's, it's a franchise that I think can be brought back and Absolutely. still be very relevant. So I'm I'm excited for it. I, I don't know if it's going to be enough for me to pull the trigger on an Xbox One, but either way, I'm excited that it's at least coming back. Oh yeah, and um, you know I don't know what it's going to be like. If it's going to be, you know, they release nothing about it, so we don't know if it's going to be like a 2D si side scroller with like you know sort of 3D ish side scroller, or if it's going to be like I don't know sort of an open world type of thing like a mario game or what we yeah. i mean we just don't know so i'm kind of hoping they stay with the whole side scrolling motif i mean that just that that's what battletoads is that's what it needs to stay i agree 100 percent. and i'm excited about this next uh article coming up so our next story comes to us from the mothership itself nintendo.com uh, let's see. Flashback 
not to be confused with the hit 80s movie Flashdance, uh, <laughs> is back to celebrate its 25th anniversary. Uh, Flashback, the hit action-adventure game with over 2.2 million units sold, is back on the Nintendo Switch. Um, I remember hearing about this game, but never never played it. Uh, the article continues... Uh, Let's see. After fleeing from a spaceship stripped of all memory, the eminent scientist Conrad B. Hart awakens on Titan, a colonized moon of the planet Saturn. His enemies and kidnappers are snapping at his heels. He must find a way back to Earth, defending himself against the dangers he encounters and unraveling an insidious extraterrestrial plot that threatens the planet. I had this game. I mean, it, for, it's, it sounds cool. Yeah, I had this game for PC back in the early 90s, and I loved this game. And the fact that it's coming out on the Switch, I mean, this is a this is a day one purchase for me. It's coming on the seventeenth of June, mm -hmm. so what, like a week from now, a week and a half. Yep. I, I'm getting this. This is because I, I actually went to my mom's house the other day and asked her if they still had my old big box um, video games, you know, computer games from back in the '90s, and she said they're probably somewhere. So I'm, I'm gonna have to do a search through my mom and dad's house to try to find them because I had this, I had, you know, the Seventh Guest. Um, what else did I have? I had uh, the Dark Half. I had a bunch of computer games back in the day um, that I would love to have. I mean, I can't play them on anything because they're floppy disks and CD-ROMs, but it'd be just cool to just have, you know? Yeah. But this game was yeah, and great. it's only gonna it's only gonna be twenty bucks, and it has the same kind of play and art style that um, that they did for like Prince of Persia, where it was um, rotoscoping, where they mm -hmm. took like real actors and then kind of drew those act, you know, like used the animation of the real person in the game, so it had a really kind of smooth gameplay to it. It's kind of hard to explain. Mm -hmm. You just have to go and look at the. Um, some of the gameplay of it, but I think you would really like this game, Derek. You should try it out when it comes out. It also says here, in addition to the original 93 game, this version includes a modern mode with post-effects graphic filters, completely remastered wow. sound and music, a brand new rewind feature variable according to the level of difficulty, and tutorials for those who need a boost. That's awesome. I mean, it's only 20 bucks. I might actually pull the trigger on this. Yeah, and that's completely worth it like that's what i would expect this to to cost so i'm buying this as, as soon as this drops i'm getting it and then i'll do another we can do a dual review of this so whatever i'd love you to do. so that sounds yeah good i'd to love me. to do that uh and one of the games i'm going to be reviewing tonight coming to us from my nintendo news.com bloodstained curse of the moon sold over 100,000 units and 56% of those sales were on the Nintendo Switch. That's fantastic. I mean, this game is so good. And um, I tried to actually uh, email NT Creates to see if we could get some download codes to, to give away on the show. But I just did that the other day. So I didn't have, I guess they didn't have time to get back with me. So if we get some codes soon, hopefully we'll get some codes to give out on the show. But that's that's some huge numbers for just kind of an in, you know an indie game. Basically, mm -hmm. this was a a Kickstarter um, stretch goal, and they just mm -hmm. sold over one hundred thousand copies of it. And it's getting really good reviews too. Yeah, which is great. Now th this is 
this is nothing but great news. And the fact that over half of those downloads are on the Switch is even bigger. Mm -hmm. And it it shows that Nintendo is, you know, really hitting that market of, you know, of the indie game. Yeah, and it's the perfect platform to play it on, too. Like, even, you know, playing it on the big screen TV like I did looks fantastic. You know, playing it on, you know, taking it on the go, it looks great. It it and it plays. I mean, we'll get into this later, so let I'll just shut up. We'll get into all that. In a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, our next story comes to us from HotHardware.com. All new Intellivision console to launch October first as retro gaming explodes. <clears throat> We may well be in the heyday of retro gaming. There have been several retro console launches to let old school gamers enjoy many of the games they grew up on in a more modern package. We have the NES and SNES Classic. Uh, Neo Geo announced it's going to be doing a retro console. Now Intellivision Entertainment has announced it will be bringing a new console to market. The Intellivision was a big deal back in the late 70s and through the 80s, selling millions of units. It has lots of firsts to its credit, including being the first 16-bit console. I actually didn't know that. Uh, The first to support digital distribution, the first to add speech and voice to games, and the first to license sports leagues. I didn't know any of that stuff either. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's Uh, the the thing. The Intellivision was actually arguably a better console than the Atari 2600. But man, this Intellivision is not aesthetically pleasing at all. It looks like 1970s garbage. I just don't get how the controller works. I mean, it looks like a remote control with, yeah. you know, like a little circle pad and, you know, a, a number key. And, and and plus, too, you know, this this is not the Intellivision of the 70s and 80s. This is somebody who came along, bought the, the name and is going to slap it on a retro console, much like the way Sega Genesis is doing with the At Games console. I just don't know. I I mean, it depends on what this thing would cost, but I really honestly have no interest. I don't really have much interest in anything pre-Nintendo when it comes to retro gaming. Like, I still have my Atari 2600, but man, those games are hard to go back and play and get any enjoyment out of. Yeah, it says here during a live stream, uh, Tommy Talarchio or Talarico promised that the console would cost much less than $200 and that it would include retro and television games pre-installed on an internal hard drive, which is the way to go. You know, I'm not I I think this thing should be less than 100. Yeah. That's just that's just my opinion, but you know my opinion doesn't amount to much. But oh well. Yeah, I think this is probably something that I'll just I'll see it. I'll be like, no, that's okay. Yeah, I don't really want that. Yeah. Another uh, one of our last stories here coming to us from KitGuru.net. Atari VCS faked the gameplay footage as well as showing a port the creator knew nothing about. Uh, Over the course of this last year, Atari's been trying to get a new home console off the ground. The crowdfunding campaign advertised a few things, even showed off gameplay. Unfortunately, it looks like some of the footage shown was fake. 
the crowdfunding Atari VCS console showed footage of Tempest 4000 running on their machine during the campaign, but it turns out that the creator of the game had no knowledge of a port or even how the game was running on a Linux-based machine. Llamasoft is well known for their work on Tempest 2000 on the Atari Jaguar. The studio has been active for a while, but their most recent release being Polybius for PSR, PSVR and Oculus Rift. They're currently developing Tempest 4000 for PC and console with Atari as publisher. Um, <clears throat> let's see. In the Atari VCS trailer on Indiegogo, it shows Tempest 4000 running natively on the Atari VCS system, but this is impossible as there is no Linux version of the game. Uh, the creator of Tempest 4000 has even confirmed he didn't know anything about the Atari VCS and was also dark on his game being ported to it. So, um, yeah, this is just getting a little more shady every day. Just a little bit. And this thing has made over $2 million so far on Indiegogo. It's it's going to fund, but this I, I doubt people are going to see this thing. Yeah, I just feel like with every every story we talk about when it comes to this thing, I just feel less and less likely that it's it's going to amount to much of anything. Uh oh, here we go. It looks like this article might have been a fake article. Uh, actually, um, it's been debunked. Uh, it's been and this is on HardcoreGamer.com. Uh, there's been some confusion in the last few days about where the Tempest 4000 port for the RT Atari VCS is coming from. While the game is complete on PS4 and PC, with Xbox One being the final version needing approval, there was no Linux build available. This is a problem seeing as the Atari VCS runs Linux. Um, this led to the assumption that the Atari VCS version was running on Wine, which is a compatibility layer, not emulator for Linux. <clears throat> That allows Windows programs to run on it. <coughs> Excuse me. Atari was showing videos of Tempest 4000 running on a VCS test environment, and seeing as there is no native VCS version, it wasn't sitting well and leading to cl claims of scam. Uh, it's officially cleared up today by an announcement on the Llamasoft forums. Um, let's see. Um, Ivan Giles Zorzin is the resident tech wizard who handles the grunt work of making games run nice on all platforms. Uh, let's see. And blew up on different forums. Uh, let's see. Trying not to read this whole thing. This is a long article. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says, after the Tempest 4000 VCS issue blew up on various forums, the people at Atari got in touch with Giles and hashed things out, with the outcome being that the game's existence on another console is guaranteed. How this is happening isn't clarified, whether it's the PC version running through Wine as originally assumed, or there's a VCS-specific version on the way, but it will exist with Lamasauce knowledge, blessing, and probably direct involvement. So I don't know what to think about this. Yeah, this just gets more and more confusing every time we yeah, talk about it. I don't know what's going on. So I don't know which of these articles is real. So I I, I might do a little deeper digging to find out which what what's actually going on and report back again next week. Um, but from all accounts and, you know, that this thing is just really shady and I don't like it and yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
it just seems like um, one of those Indiegogos where it's going to make a shit ton of money and then they're going to end up being like, oh, guess what? We couldn't get it to run. Thanks for the money. Bye. You know, if that happens, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. The, this whole situation is just weird. It's weird and I don't like it at all. Yeah. But let's go ahead and so move had- into this month in video game history. On June 3rd of 1986, Nintendo releases Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels as the sequel to the Super Mario Bros. game. It was not released in North America, partially because it was deemed too difficult. And we all know that story, how um, eventually Super Mario Bros. 2 was a port of Doki Doki Panic in uh, Japan, and then the Mario Brothers, the original Mario Brothers 2 that was released in Japan became Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels on um, Super Mario, Mario All-Stars. All-Stars. Yep. Yeah, and I will say it is quite difficult at times, but I don't, I don't wish that it had gone any differently because you know we've both defended. Yeah the American version of Mario Brothers 2 is actually a really fun game. So, yeah, the Lost Levels is difficult, and I'm glad that they did eventually release it in the United States, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't regret the way it turned out. I mean, there's an argument to be made that the reason that the, the success of, you know, the Mario franchise and the, the you know, the, the love for the NES comes from Super Mario Brothers 2 being such a really good sequel to the original game. It was different, but sort of the same. You know, kind of the same mechanics, but it looked better, it sounded better, and it was it was fun. It had different it had a different uh, you know, main boss, a bunch of uh bo- level bosses that, you know, took a lot of, you know, me- game mechanics that you had to learn to defeat these mm-hmm. bosses, you know? It was just such a different kind of game at the time, especially to be a sequel. Most sequels suck. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. Zelda fans out there, but Link, Link's you know, Adventures of Link is not that great of a game. I've tried to play it over the past couple of months, and I didn't like it as a kid. I still don't like it as an adult. I know there's a lot of people out there that love that game, but I just can't get into it, man. It's too difficult and weird. No, I'm not a fan of it either. But Super Mario Brothers 2 was the perfect sequel to release for that game. I agree. No, Mario Brothers 2 does not get the love that it deserves. No. But on June 13th, 1986, Activision merges with Infocom Incorporated. I want to say I've heard of Activision. You know, they've made a they've made a couple of decent games like the I don't know the Call of Duty franchise among many others. Yeah, I never. But I had heard no of idea Infocom. that they merged with another company back I in the day. I didn't either. It was founded in on June twenty second, nineteen seventy nine, by MIT staff and students. Um, it lasted as an independent company until eighty six, until it was bought by Activision, and then Activision shut it down in nineteen eighty nine. Although they released some titles in the nineteen nineties under the Infocom Zork brand, uh, Activision abandoned the Infocom trademark in two thousand and two. Zork sounds familiar. Have we talked about... Yes, Zork is... Um, let's see. It is a... What do they call those? Uh, a mud um, adventure mm-hmm. game? Like text adventure? Um, 
Yeah, they're text adventure um, computer games that were released back in the day. And uh, I remember this cover. Like, it just, it looks like a, I don't know, like a early 80s sort of metal band album cover, <laughs> if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I do remember us briefly talking about this game, uh, but don't, you know, don't remember too much about it. Yeah, there was. But still, work. you know, I, I had no idea that Activision like merged with another company. Yeah, well, they recently picked up uh, Blizzard a couple of years ago, and I have mm-hmm. stock in those in Activision Blizzard. So hopefully they'll make <laughs> something good soon and make me some money. <laughs> Fingers uh, crossed. Yes. On June 23rd of 1991, Sega releases Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Genesis which later becomes the pack-in game and defining title for the console. It introduces the eponymous character who would go on to be Sega's mascot. They also released a version of the game for the Master System and Game Gear. Uh, the Game Gear. Such a cool concept, but... It only took four that... car batteries to run, and it only lasted about eight <laughs> minutes. <laughs> uh, and that's being generous. Yes. Uh, but no, I mean... You know, what else can you say about Sonic? You know, he's, I think, one of the top five most recognizable video game characters of all time. And I would make the argument that Sonic has much more of a success outside of video games than even like Mario. Yeah. So like I because the Sonic cartoon series, there were two different ones. Well, actually, there are two main ones, but there have been several others since Um, they did two cartoon series back in the mid 90s there was adventures of sonic the hedgehog which was geared more towards children and then there was just sonic the hedgehog that was based off the comic book where there's actually many other characters involved besides sonic tails and robotnik and there's actually like really good writing and really good storylines uh Unfortunately, the cartoon only lasted two seasons because it was competing with a little-known show called the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, which pretty much destroyed everything in its path for the next 20-something years. (laughs) Yes, Um, and it ended on a cliffhanger, which kind of sucked. because Yeah, because it looked like Robotnik had been killed off, and you see that his nephew is going to take over. Mm. And then at the end, you see this pair of red eyes in a black background, and everybody thought it was going to be Knuckles, but they <laughs> but they never like they never answered the the question because mm. you know the series ended. Didn't am I am I being crazy or did I remember us doing an article recently about Sonic being redone as a cartoon series or a movie or something like that? Or there is going that? to be a live action slash <laughs> CG right. movie, which I'm. I don't I don't I don't know maybe if they do it sort of if they did it like the Incredibles or like a Pixar movie I could see that happening not like a live action thing that seems weird yeah I I don't like they're going in that direction if it were CG then I would potentially get behind it depending on what they're going to do with it but They've got, what is his name, James Marsden, the guy who played Mm. Cyclops in the original X-Men. He's the lead actor, like the lead human actor. It'd be cool if they got Jaleel White, who, you know, a (laughs) little trivia fact, 
the guy who played Steve Urkel, (laughs) he was also the voice of Sonic in both of those cartoon series. I forgot all about that till you just said that. That was like, oh my God. (laughs) So back in, if I can remember, I'll send you the link after the show. They did, somebody did a Sonic CG slash live action fan film back in like 2009 or 2010. And they got Jaleel White to do the voice. That's awesome. Which was awesome. Let me let me look this up real quick because I've got to oh, find um, this. I, somebody sent me a link the other day. I didn't put it in the notes or anything. I just figured we'd just talk about it in passing. Uh, Castlevania has been... <clears throat> they're already working on season three of Castlevania for Netflix. So we're going to get season two pretty soon. And then on its heels, we're going to be getting season three. So I am... Very excited yes. about that. I just really hope that opens up the the door for more animated yeah. series. Because, God, if they did a Zelda one, oh, my God. Zelda would work perfectly in that, you know, that 2D uh, sort of anime style environment. Like, that just screams Zelda to me. Yeah. The Sonic fan film is just called Sonic. It was released in January of 2013. Weird. So They'll I was a, probably get I was a little to do off. the voice again. I guarantee you. They should do it. I mean, I, why not? <laughs> I think a lot of people would be like, that would be a story. Like if I read it, that would make me happy because yeah. so far not too much about the upcoming movie has made me very happy. Yeah. Just because the, to me, the live action and CG animation, it, it's very, very difficult to make that work. Yeah. There's been much more cases to me of it not working than it actually working. Yeah, because, you know, like the new um, Christopher Robin movie coming out, that Mm -hmm. looks awesome. But I can't picture a Sonic game or a Sonic movie looking that cool. Yeah. That would just be weird to me. (laughs) I I will say, side note, before we read our last uh, gaming history... The story of the Christopher Robin movie, love it. Yeah, me too. I think it's perfect. I'm really excited for it. It looks great. Yeah, I I can't wait for it. But our last note of this month in video game history, also in June of 1991, something we just talked about, Battletoads, a beat-em-up platform video game developed by Rare and published by Trade West, is the first installment of the Battletoads series. It was originally released uh, June 1991 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was subsequently ported to the Mega Drive and Game Gear in 93, to the Amiga and Amiga CD32 in 1994, and released with some changes for the Game Boy in 1993 in the form of Battletoads in Ragnarok's World. You know, I'm kind of surprised at myself that I haven't done a review for Battletoads yet and I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt. <laughs> like, I wish we would have... Uh done a Battletoads review for this weekend to kind of ride on the coattails of the Battletoads, you know, news that dropped if we'd have known that a new Battletoads game was coming. But I'm going to do that soon. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to play Battletoads and review it because when I was a kid, I couldn't even get past, like, what is it, the third level with the the motorcycles, um, the the air cycles on the third Mm -hmm. level. I think I got through it one time when I was a kid. And then didn't get much further after that. And I imagine I probably can't get much further than that now. But I still want to go back and try. 
Why don't we do this? If you do a Battletoads review the following week, I'll do Battletoads and Double Dragon for the SNES. Let's do that. Uh, after this next episode, on, on uh, two weeks from now, when I do my review, I'll do Battletoads. And Sweet. then the week after, you do Battletoads and Double Dragon. I like it. So, Because what's better than one episode with Battletoads? Two episodes, Two episodes with Battletoads. <laughs> so, Derek, we got to talk about some books before we move into our review tonight. So, have you been reading anything on Audible or listening to Audible lately? I have, actually. Uh, let me, if my app will cooperate. Uh, for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free, again, free, free 30-day trial free, free. to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I downloaded a bunch of books recently because I've been kind of backlogging my credits. Um, a couple that I've downloaded, I haven't started most of them yet. Um, the one that I have started uh, is called The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide by Jenna Fisher, who played Pam in The Office. Mm. Um, so it's, it's actually narrated by her, which is good. Um, it's just you know, talking about how she got her start in acting and some of the struggles that you. Ooh, we just had a big actor, hiccup. So we just anybody a who's aspiring to do that. And, uh, Skype. <laughs> you were talking and all of a sudden you just went. I hate Skype. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of back it up a couple of sentences and then. Yeah, and there, there we good. go. So anyway, the book I'm talking about uh, is The Actor's Guide or The Actor's Life, a Survival Guide by Jenna Fisher, who played Pam in The Office. Um, it's actually narrated by her, which is really cool. Uh, it just talks about you know how her story and how she got into acting and some of the struggles that you'll probably go through if you want to go into acting. So all you aspiring actors out there, I think I you should definitely that. check it out. Uh, but they've got all kinds of cool books, you know, fiction, nonfiction, gaming. They have several video game series. Halo, uh, which new Halo game was announced at E3, which is yes. pretty exciting. That 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 and Battletoads might get me to pull the trigger on an Xbox. Me too. Because I do love me some Halo. <laughs> uh, Mass Effect, Gears of War, World of Warcraft. They have all kinds of books. And if you're always on the go like I am, whether it's you know, a 20 minute commute to work, or if you're on a road trip, it's a great service to have, to be able to read books and to do that, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerd cave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerd cave for your free audiobook download and 30 day free trial. And tonight we're going to be talking about Bloodstained Curse of the Moon is a Castlevania-inspired spinoff of the Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, developed by Inti Creates and directed by Koji Igarashi. Uh, it was a Kickstarter campaign for Ritual of the Night, and one of the stretch goals was to do an, a, a retro NES-inspired throwback title to be in conjunction with the main game. Uh, which released on May 24th, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. It, it released for the PlayStation 4, the Vita, Nintendo Switch, Nintendo 3DS, and PC. 
Uh, an Xbox One port originally uh, scheduled for the same release date was delayed until June 6th. Uh, it's inspired, uh, it's pretty much, let's just call this game what it is. It is Castlevania 4 <laughs> for the NES is what it is. Uh, it's a two-dimensional sprite-based side-scroller. Travel through uh, platforming levels using basic attacks. And as you go through the game, you start off with Zengetsu. I think that's his name. Uh, he's is sort of like your Simon Belmont character where you start off the game with him. And as you go, there's what, like six levels to the game. And as you go through each level, there's sort of a over overworld map sort of thing. Almost... Um, what, Ghosts and Goblins style. Um, yeah, that, I yeah. think that's accurate. And sort of like that to tell you how far into the game you're getting. And then you at, at the end of each one, you kind of get different um, allies that go with you through the game. And the cool thing about it, as you go through the game, each ally has sort of their own you know, sets of abilities. Like uh, Zengetsu has, a, has just a sword. And you also have um, a secondary ability that each person has, but they can change upon um, different power-ups that you can get. So, you know, Zangetsu has sort of... Um, his, some of his power-ups are uh, a whip that you can shoot, like, at a diagonal uh, up mm -hmm. into the air to kind of reach some of the, uh, uh, you know, hard-to-reach... Um, it's sort of like playing Castlevania where you go through and you... you hit you know uh um what are, what what are they like um candelabras like on the wall where you hit them and then you'll get like hearts or power ups yeah. and stuff like that you get uh, energy for your secondary magic attacks or whatever and you know each and also character... good for enemies who like come at you at a yes. diagonal angle exactly. they're perfect for just yeah, and each character has has a different main weapon too. Uh, Miriam, which is pretty much my favorite person to play through the game, she's more of the traditional Simon Belmont character, where she has a whip that she can use. Her secondary abilities are awesome. Like my favorite one of hers is the giant um, axe that you use that just obliterates everything in front of you. <laughs> Um, not only that, but she also has, um, I think she has axes that she throws that act sort mm -hmm. of like boomerangs, which is, those two are my favorite attacks in the game. That, that one and the, the giant axe. Then you have Alfred who is, which one was Alfred? Was he the, um, I haven't made it far enough into the game to get either Alfred or the fourth character. Alfred, I only I, have Miriam. Yeah, I think Alfred is the old man who is sort of a wizard. He's very weak, but he has some massively strong magic attacks, which you will need him for the final bosses of the game because his attacks, certain attacks of his are crazy. Like, there's one that you do of his where it's sort of like a lightning ball. And once you release it, it just bounces all over the screen over and over again. And it just hits everything around. So when you're fighting the, the final bosses and they have, you know, a certain... Like, you have this huge boss, but there's, like, only one part of the boss that you can actually hit. Like, something, you know, like, on their head or something. You use that mm -hmm. attack 
and it will just hit that thing over and over again, and you can take out some of the bosses really quickly. And then there's Gabel, or Gebel, however you pronounce his name. He is the vampire Dracula character, where um, his secondary power is to turn into a bat so that you can... Um, because there's a lot of platforming in the game and jumping from you know platform to platform, and sometimes there's huge gaps. Or as you're going through the game the first time, you notice that there are platforms and ladders like way out of the way that you can't get to. Um, but you can get to it the second time you play through the game and you have him to be able to turn into a bat to get to all these different spots that you can't get to. Um, and also to get across some large chasms that you're not not able to get across because he turns into a bat. Um, he's really cool to use. And the cool thing about the game, you know, it... It was like playing Castlevania all over again. Castlevania, it's like a direct lineage of Castlevania. This game, if you love the Castlevania NES games, or even, you know, Castlevania um, for the Super Nintendo, this game is so up your alley. I, I played the hell out of this game over the last week. Um, I know you just picked it up today. What have you thought about it so far? Well, it, you hit the nail on the head with the Castlevania. It's basically the spiritual successor to the Castlevania series. And mm-hmm. I'm still very early into the game. Um, I just got Miriam, so not too far. But you know, you mentioning uh, Gabel or however you pronounce his name, being able to transform into a bat. I did notice specific areas that I couldn't get to. Yeah. So you know that that does make sense, but. It plays just like a Castlevania game, and to me, you know, I I love the retro look to it, but the colors are still, you know, bright and HD looking in a way. Uh, plays exactly like a Castlevania game, so you know, it, it, when you told me about it, I knew it would be right up my alley because I love games like that. Yeah. I'm really, really enjoying it, and I, I'm still, you know, I don't, I just played through the game you know, very recently. So I'm still kind of the plot of the game. I don't have it stuck in the, in my head just yet, but basically, you know, your, your Zengetsu, who is your, basically your Simon Belmont character, you go through the game uh, and it doesn't matter which I preferred playing on casual difficulty because with casual difficulty, you basically have infinite amount of lives to get through the game, which you're going to need the first time you play through it because it is very hard like a Castlevania game, it took me, I'd say, roughly about three hours to get through the initial campaign, going through the game, trying to figure out the boss mechanics and all that kind of stuff. And then you get to the end of the game, and you defeat the final boss. Well, Zengetsu sort of sacrifices himself to take out the final boss, but becomes a new boss for your second playthrough of the game. So the second time you play through the game, you're only able to play your allies, Miriam, Alfred, and Gabel, or Gibble, however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go through the game, and you have to basically defeat and save him the second time you go through the game. So as soon as I defeated it the first time through the other night, I was like, you know, I'm going to go through this again. Um, uh, and it's, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily tell you to go through the game again. It just says to be continued, but then you start another, you know, another game and he's not there. Zengetsu is not there, just your other three allies. So 
I went through the entire game the second time in like an hour, maybe a little more than an hour, once I knew all the boss mechanics and all that kind of stuff. And from what I hear, if you defeat the game either a third time or on a higher difficulty, like after you defeat it the first time, you get what's called nightmare difficulty, which you go through uh, the second part of the game. It's sort of kind of like you know ghosts and goblins where you got you know you get to the end of the game and it's not really the end of the game you got to go through the whole thing again but it's not aggravating like ghosts and goblins is like it's fun to go through it a second time to you know to play through the game a second time and then get a complete different ending to the game because you're defeating you know you're fighting zangetsu as the main villain the second time through so you get a completely new ending to the game that second time that's really cool, and, and you know, the, doing that just adds replayability to it. Oh yeah, which is great. absolutely. Um, but I had so much fun playing this game. I can't wait to hear what you think about it after you've played through it uh, and played through it a second time. Is it like I said, the second time through? It took me maybe an hour to go through the whole thing a second time. And um, I'm going to go back through and play it again on a higher difficulty because there is, I think, another secret to the game, which nobody will spoil it that has gone through it. I've watched a couple of videos of people reviewing the game and talking about it. Uh, they don't want to spoil it for people. So I'm like, oh, my God, what happens? You know, like, what, do you get like another whole other game or something or what happens? So I'm going to go through it again on a higher difficulty level and see what happens. But man, I got to tell you, this is, I've had so much fun playing this game. I was blown away playing this game. It, it feels like it, it should have been out on the NES. I mean, even the super Nintendo. Yeah. Some of the boss mechanics and stuff like that were probably a little too much for the Nintendo at the time. It was probably more of a super Nintendo type of game, but it looks 8-bit. It looks like it belongs on the, the Super Nintendo. I highly recommend this game. Dude, this is literally... I give this game a 10 out of 10. Wow. It's perfect. It's absolutely That's amazing. perfect. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's perfect. That's awesome. No, it, from... You know, I've only played it for maybe an hour or so today, but so far I'm blown away by it, by the look, the mechanics... Everything about it, it just it has that perfect retro feel to it. Even though it's a new game, yeah, it feels like a game that you would have played in like 1989 or 1990, oh, yeah. easily. I, it, it, I've been wanting a new Castlevania game for so long, and this just completely scratched the itch for me. This, this should have just had a Konami should have bought this and just said, "Hey, we're gonna call this Castlevania," and it, it would have been. Nobody would have known mm-hmm. the difference. Like, call nope. that dude instead of Zangetsu, call him Simon Belmont. <laughs> and you've got a Castlevania yeah. game. Yeah. No, I totally agree. So if you're on the fence about this, whether you have a, a Nintendo Switch and you know Xbox One, PS4, or you get it on Steam, get it. It's only ten bucks. It's worth every penny. It I would have paid twenty for this game, maybe even twenty five. For this game, even mm-hmm. though you know, even though it's a, it's an indie game, it's kind of short, but it's completely worth the ten bucks that you pay for it. It go get it right now. You will not be disappointed. Ten out of ten, perfect score. Love it. So that's all I've got to say about it. Unless you got you know you got some more questions about it or anything. <laughs> 
No, I, I think that's pretty much it. You know, I like I said, I've from what little I've played it, I really enjoy it, and I just can't wait to see what else happens. Yeah, I'm gonna try to play it again, like I said, on the higher difficulty and see what what the hype is as far as the the secret whatever. You know, you keep beating the game and it gives you something new every time, so that's kind of cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. In a perfect world, you'd unlock Simon Belmont. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and Joey is in the chat room right now. Hi, Joey. Uh, Mr. Hey, Joey, Joey Image, and he said he is adding it to his Steam library right now. Dude, you will not be disappointed. It's so good. Yeah, it's it, great. It, it's, don't get me wrong. I love Steam World Dig. That was a great game. You know, I played uh, Blaster Master Zero, which is also an NT Creates game. Uh, that you know they published Bloodstain, which is a very good updated version of Blaster Master. This is the best game I've played. You know, as far as like indie game, the best indie game I've played on the Switch so far. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. But uh, but I think we're gonna go ahead and start wrapping this thing up. Uh, I think we do have I do have something for our. Uh, email tonight. Uh, let me go ahead and play us a little, a little bit of music here. Let me let me see what this is it's called. Fifty Eight Universe. Ooh, it's wow. Let me, let me turn it down. Yeah. Uh, from Derek Bryant on Facebook. Since you guys did a review on Maximum Carnage, I have to know your thoughts on the Venom movie coming out. Venom and Carnage have been my favorite Marvel characters for as long as I can remember. Not going to lie, feeling a little nervous about this movie after seeing the trailer. I'm praying that they are showing hacked parts of the movie. I feel movies can't get the Venom body type right. What are your feelings on the the Venom movie? I'm kind of apprehensive on it myself. So when the first trailer came out, I was very, very, very skeptical. Like the teaser that they put out where you don't really see Venom except for, you know, when... Tom Hardy's laying in the MRI machine and you see the symbiote kind of come up on his neck. I was just like, yeah. oh, this is this is stupid. <laughs> but that last trailer actually sold me on it. I think Tom Hardy's a magnificent actor. Yeah. I think he's going to pull off the role of Eddie Brock very well. As soon as they played the internal voice and it kept saying, you know, we're going to do whatever we want. We yeah. are Venom. We are this. We are that. And then the symbiote completely covers them, and you see like the giant teeth and the tongue and the giant wide eyes. I'm like, release it now. <laughs> I, I, I will. To- I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm actually a little excited for it. Yeah. I don't think we're gonna get carnage. I think we're gonna get a teaser of him. And if this movie does inspire a sequel, he'll be the main villain of that. They'll have to bring in Spider-Man for that. I, th- they would need to. Okay, here's the thing. If this Venom movie is good, which I'm hoping it is, maybe Marvel will bring it into the Marvel MCU. Like, do the deal mm-hmm. they did for Venom with Spider-Man, with Sony. Um, tease mm-hmm. Carnage, and then we could bring Maximum Carnage storyline into the MCU. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be so good. Because, I, I mean, it that. took, like, half the Avengers to beat Carnage. Yeah. And it wouldn't need to be, like, you know, Infinity War-level, like, hype. I mean, it could just be, you know, a Spider-Man movie that we get, you know, all the Avengers in. Sort of like 
you know, a Captain America, you know, Winter Soldier type of movie where you have all the Avengers come in to help take out Carnage or whatever. I think that'd be awesome. Come on, oh, Kevin I'd Feige. love every second of it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to email Kevin Feige right now. Be like, hey, dude. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, and I also want to give a huge shout out and a thank you to Daniel Salmon uh, at Bethany underscore Fox one for the birthday package that he sent me, him and his girlfriend, they gave me a drawing of Link um, and a little scythe pendant, which is uh, was a coat of arms for the character that he created, the Bethany Fox character, um, which he sent me a story of. He's let me read a couple of stories that he's written so far. He's a really good writer, and I keep telling him, like, dude, you just need to do it and get it out there, and he needs to, and just you know, put it on ink shares or something and see if people would be interested in getting it published. Like, it's so... You know, like we live in a world now where you don't have to have the gatekeepers of sending it to, you know, uh, um, publishers to get it published. Like publish it yourself, man. Get it out there. It's really good yeah. stuff. Um, but thank you for that, um, for the scythe pendant and the, uh, the story that he sent me and the drawing of Link that his girlfriend did. It's really cool. And uh, I put it, I did, a, uh, took a picture of it and put it on my Twitter page uh, a couple of days ago when I got it. So thank you to him and his girlfriend. And um, I wish I had her name written down right here, and I don't. And I'm so sorry about that, and I'm horrible with names, and I don't remember. So please tell her I'm sorry, but thank you so much for uh, for everything that you guys sent. And um, I know which as soon as we do a, um, a kick, uh, not a Kickstarter, but a Patreon for the Nerd Cave Retro, we've actually had a couple of people, even Daniel Salmon, ask us about a Patreon for the Nerd Cave Retro, which we need to get on this summer so we can start uh, yes, we putting some money into this thing and um, maybe we could start doing some uh, on location recording and stuff like that so we'll see we'll, we'll get into it and find out what we're going to do as far as rewards and then um, we'll get on that absolutely but that, that was really cool of him to do yeah it was great so thank you very much go follow him at Bethany underscore Fox one um, and uh, he'll thank you for it Absolutely. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here this evening? Yes. So um, next week I'm going to be reviewing a a Super Nintendo game that passed me by, but I heard a lot about um, as a kid uh, called Pocky and Rocky. It's like a top-down view shooter game uh, that it looks like it takes place in like Eastern civilization. I've played a little bit of it. It's like a cartoony look to it. Um, I played a little bit of it today, and so far I'm really liking it. It's a little difficult, but you know I, I kind of expect that. But I'm excited to review that uh, next week because that's games that I missed out on when I was a kid. That's probably in like the top five. So you know what? I'm looking at excited this, to talk about that. And I think this may have been one of the games that I rented as a kid because I remember Pocky and Rocky. I'm going to have to go look up some videos of this because I'm, I'm looking at the screenshots and I'm like, this looks really familiar. I'm going to have to brush up on this for next week. Yeah, I, I I remembered hearing a lot about it, but just never, never played it. Fantastic. But, but, but as always, uh, you can check out the Derek Diamond Experience uh, every Thursday. Excuse me, on iTunes, Spotify. I actually had kind of a, a surprise uh, last-minute guest for this. Um, a Broadway actress uh, named Allison Bailey, who's Saw currently that. on the 
the Broadway tour of the show Wicked. Uh, she's actually uh, her family and she is originally from Pensacola. So she came out to uh, a Blue Wahoos game this past week and was kind enough to chat for a few minutes, uh, you know, about her theater career and whatnot. So she was really nice. Uh, you should definitely go uh, check it out. Um, not sure what I'm doing for a show this week, but there will be one out. Um, as far as the pop culture palette goes, we just dropped another episode yesterday, uh, episode 179, which I titled the Acme Boulder company. And if you want to know what that's about, you're going to have to listen to the episode. <laughs> I think Derek knows what I'm talking about. Um, it's about something that happened or something he discovered in Pompeii recently. If you know what happened in Pompeii 2000 years ago, it's just, I don't want to spoil it, but this poor guy, something happened to some poor guy 2,000 years ago, and here we are, 2,000 years later, laughing about it. <laughs> and I feel bad, but its I don't think it's too soon. No, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> it, it was a really fun episode. You know, Steve Scott was on. Yes. Uh, it was kind of the, the OG crew, and it was, yeah. it was really, really fun. Uh, I know Wally kind of heckled us uh, about you know you saying oh this oh, this has passed me by and yes. then I I was like do I really make that many references that take place between 1995 and 1999? Uh, he, I, after he said that, I realized how often I say that completely passed me by, and now I'm all paranoid about it and trying not to say it. So damn you, Wally. Hey, I'm all for a nerd cave retro drinking game. Yeah, if I'm anyone wants that. to come up with the rules. <laughs> that would be amazing. Every time I say, uh, you'd probably be drunk in the first five <laughs> minutes of the episode. Oh man, that's too good. But no, it, it was a really fun episode. Everybody should go check it out. Yeah. So yeah, Stephen B. Scott at Stephen B. Scott, Mr. Steve Scott himself, one of the, uh, OG co-hosts of the nerd cave or the pop culture palette, which who uh, was the original co-host of the pop culture palette uh, recently had to leave about a year ago. Cause he moved to uh, Paris. Um, yeah. He's back in the States for a little while and uh, he's going to be on the show sporadically. So if you want to go listen to what he's been up to, go check it out. It's at pcpradio.com at PCP show on Twitter. So Derek, I think it's time for us to go ahead and get out of here for this week. What do you say? Sounds good to me. So let me um, make sure. Oh, I think the music is too low. Let me turn that up. There we go. If you would like to email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com or at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfantastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek... Please tell them what it's all about. Wow. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. <laughs>